This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. April 11th, 2023. It is a chilly one here in the mountains of North Carolina this morning. 34 degrees. This uh, weather can't seem to make up its mind, although we are going up uh, to around 70 degrees today. But uh, the last couple of mornings have been pretty chilly uh, here in western North Carolina. Um, as uh, you heard on the news leading into the show this morning, uh, the city council in Nashville uh, reinstated or sent uh, one of the legislators who had been expelled from the Tennessee um, state legislator back to the floor. <laughs> uh, this is just a just a just a nightmare. But Justin Jones, uh, just four days after the Republicans took away his seat uh, in the state House of Representatives, he's back, and it was a unanimous uh, vote by the council in uh, in uh, Nashville to send him back. And uh, he still faces a special election, but, you know, he's going to get reelected. And uh, uh, the other young man that uh, was thrown out, Justin Pearson, um, will find out his fate uh, on Wednesday. The Shelby County Commission will decide what what happens with him. Now, but with, with what happened yesterday... I almost expect it's going to be a foregone conclusion that the Shelby County Commission will send Pearson back. Look, one of the things that uh, uh, Pearson said yesterday after Jones was reinstated, and, and this is true, he said uh, one thing, one of the lessons that we've learned is that people power works. And you know what, folks? That is the crux of all of this. At the end of the day, with all the crap that is going on in this country, people power works. So if you don't like what's going on, you have the, the way to stop it. You know, with all this garbage going on with the GOP, with the, with the Republicans and, and – uh, this this split that we have in our country, the far right and the far left, and that, that. look, here's the thing, you know, whatever you think about Donald Trump, whether you love the guy, whether you hate the guy, whatever. At the end of the day, one of the things that we have found that more people than not are not in favor of what's going on in the Republican Party these days, including tons of Republicans or people that were ex-Republicans um, that left. 
uh, when the uh, the ultra right wing started taking control of that party, myself included. But here's the thing: at the end of the day, if everybody that doesn't like what's going on with the way that the Republicans are trying to turn this into some kind of a Christian theocracy or whatever it is they're trying to do in this country, we can stop it because there are more people that don't agree with that than do. And if everybody that doesn't agree with it goes to the ballot box and votes these these idiots out, we solve the problem. But it means you got to go out and vote. You know, it's one of the things that my wife and I have talked about for years, you know, and, and there's been t- – I always vote. I always vote. I feel it's, it's, you know, people say it's your duty. It is your duty. And there have been some times that my wife, because of, you know, for various reasons, has not voted. But she always, and she, she always says, you know what? If I don't vote, I don't have the right to bitch. And that's 100% correct. If you don't get out there and you don't vote, shut up. And you deserve everything that you get. At the end of the day. But Pearson was right. People power work. So one of the guys is back. Uh, Jones Pearson will probably be back on Wednesday. And uh, there's not a damn thing that the Republicans that threw them out of the Tennessee legislature can do about it. And if they win that special election and get sent back, there's not a damn thing they can do about it. And the one thing that we learned is that you can't be thrown out for the same thing twice. So... Anyway, that was number one. Number two, yay, look at that, another mass killing here in the United States. Fifteen of them already this year. Fifteen. In what, what have we had, 14 or 15 weeks of the year? We've already, we we're averaging a mass shooting a week. Yesterday it was Louisville, Kentucky. Five people were killed in a bank. Kentucky is one of those states where for years they have tried to pass you know, red flag laws so that if somebody, you know, shows that they're going to be a danger, you can have their guns taken away from them. Yesterday, it was a 25-year-old guy walked into his his workplace and shot the place up. One of the best friends of the uh, Kentucky governor was killed in this. A 26-year-old cop, a guy who had been on the job for all of two weeks, was shot in the head. Now, he's still alive. He had surgery yesterday. He's in critical but stable condition, and hopefully he will pull through. But as soon as the shooting started, he ran to it and tried to stop it. But, you know, someday, folks, we're going to learn. You know, and again, people power works. I don't care how many Republicans are in in, uh, power. Vote them out. I don't care how much money the NRA spends. You vote out the people that are vote that that are taking NRA money and voting the NRA's way because they're basically being bribed. We can end this stuff, or we can reduce it greatly. But we got to have the balls to do it, and it means everybody's got to go out, and we got to make it happen. So that's uh, you know it's just one thing after another. Fifteen mass shootings, by the way. Uh, most in the first 100 days of a calendar year since 2009. I can't believe we're keeping score on this stuff. There were 16 back in 2009 by April 10th. But, you know, and, and it's like it's like it's a scoreboard, right? 
The years with the most mass killings in the United States, 2019 and 2022, with 45 and 42, respectively. It's a scoreboard. Are we trying to see if 2023, we can break the record? Yay! Is that what is you know? Is that what it's going to take? We got to break the all-time record for people to wake up. I'm not saying take everybody's guns away, but there has got to be some common sense legislation done uh, about uh, assault-style weapons, semi-automatic rifles. You don't need it. Cops need them. Military needs them. No private citizen needs them. And there's got to be better red flag laws where if somebody, you know, if there's any inkling that somebody is is not hinged properly, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to take their guns away. If we had those, there'd probably be a lot more people alive today uh, because of it. And uh, our last thing on the police blotter this morning, uh, NASCAR. We're into sports. Once again, the NASCAR blotter. Uh Cup Series driver Cody Ware was suspended indefinitely by the racing organization yesterday after he was arrested uh, and charged with a felony uh, of assault on a female uh, by strangulation, inflicting serious injury. Supposedly it took place a week ago, just before midnight. No weapons involved, but he strangled some woman. Um, and, and it makes it even worse. Uh, he races the team that he races for Rick Ware, Ware racing. It's owned by his father, right? Where's 27 years old, uh, did not race this past weekend in Bristol and he will not be racing anytime soon. Uh, the, his father's uh, racing team put out a statement that he has uh, stepped away to focus on a personal matter. You know, really? Good Lord. Uh, so, uh, it just, it, it never stops. I, you know, I'm just. Anyway, um, so Major League Baseball announced yesterday that uh, we're what we're a week and a half into the season, and in that week and a half, batting averages are up 16 points from last year, and game time is down 31 minutes from last year. If it, if these if that trend continues on game time, it would be the lowest. Time of game average since 1984. It's working. Last night, we watched the Red Sox game, my wife and I. It was over in, you know, two hours and five or six or seven minutes, something like that. You know, the game started at 640, and by quarter eight, the damn game's over. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, quarter or nine, I mean, the game was over. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I I watched uh, I was watching the game on the West Coast last night that started late. I was able to watch most of the game before I went to bed because the damn game is moving quickly. It is wonderful. And uh, league-wide batting average right now, 249. Same period of time last year, it was 233. Now, I don't know whether it's that the weather's been better because that certainly contributes to it, or whether it's some of it could be the pace of play because you know, batters and pitchers are not having as much time to uh, uh, fiddle around and you know throw the the perfect pitch. Like guys that are the guys that throw a hundred miles an hour, okay, they usually need that extra time to kind of reload the arm and get ready to throw it as hard as I can again. 
You know, when you have to throw a pitch within 15 seconds after throwing your previous pitch, it's hard to have max effort on every single pitch. So that could be uh, playing into it as well. But whatever. Look, the, the bottom line is, is offense is up. Game time is down. Stolen bases are up. More stuff is happening. The game is more exciting. The game is moving. And it is the best thing that's happened to baseball uh, perhaps in my lifetime. I... I I firmly believe it's probably the best thing that's happened to baseball um, since they lowered the mound back in the mid-60s when uh, pitching dominated. And they decided that it was uh, way too dom- you know, way too dominant, and they lowered the mound a little bit so that uh, uh, the, the hitters could catch up a little bit. So, and, and, you know, look, pitch clock violations, there's been uh, 125 of them in 141 games. So it's less than one a game. And uh, there have not there has not been one violation on shift restrictions. So people are getting in, on board with you know playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. It's just great. You know the the one downside: stolen bases are up, uh, which I guess is fine. But the you know the issue is is that not only are they stealing bases, they're not getting thrown out. I mean they're they're making it eighty percent of the time. Um, I'm still a little iffy on that that part of it about allowing only allowing the the pitcher to throw over to first base or second base a couple of times uh, but it's working and the game has been more exciting to watch there's no ifs ands or buts about it um, you know and there's people that are still calling for hey when the postseason comes maybe we should do away with the pitch clock no no because what I don't want is I don't want you know come October you know the World Series game having a four-hour World Series game that's a three to two game because it happens let's keep it the way it is it is Wonderful, and it's going to bring more people back to the game. More people look when you can get a baseball game done in less time than it takes to watch an NFL football game, about the same time it, it takes to watch a pro basketball game, a hockey game. You're going to get people more willing to watch, and the fact that there's more activity going on, there's more people that are going to. It's going to bring people back to the game. So, uh, the Red Sox last night. Take, they looked. They had their hands full. They were taking on a Tampa Bay Rays team that has started the season a perfect nine and zero. Well, now they're ten and zero after last night. They beat the Red Sox one nothing. But considering the fact that the Rays came into that game with the second highest team batting average, they were hitting two eighty nine as a team, which is ridiculous. Uh, they were first in slugging. They led the league in home runs. You know, I mean, and Nick Pavetta, who had been awful his first couple of starts, I'm thinking this has the potential to be a bloodbath. Instead, Nick Pavetta steps up and throws five shutout innings, only allows three hits, struck out six, threw 83 pitches over five. Again, I'd love to have seen him come out for the six, but be that as it may, whatever. Josh Winkowski comes out of the bullpen, pitches two shutout innings. So we're, we're through seven. And it's a scoreless game. And my wife, my wife says, well, this is boring. I said, no, it's not boring. I said, this is a team that's loaded, and the Red Sox are playing well. And by the way, we're in the seventh inning, and uh, this, game is, this game is an hour and 45 minutes old. right? The Red Sox don't score in the eighth. They bring out Chris Martin for the bottom of the eighth, and he gives up a solo blast uh, to Brandon Lau. And Tampa ends up winning the game one nothing as uh, Fairbanks comes out of the bullpen, throws a one two three ninth, 
and uh, the Red Sox lose one nothing. Uh, Red Sox fall to five and five. You know, I'm look. <laughs> like I said, they need to split this series. If they if they get swept in this series, it's going to be a problem. But if they can get that kind of pitching, oh, uh, take that all day. And the biggest disappointment for the Red Sox last night had to be Rafi Devers. I mean, Raphael Devers had opportunities last night to give the Red Sox the lead. He struck out three times, and all three times he struck out, it was looking. Didn't even swing the bat. First time, by the way, that's happened in his career that he's done that. But um, Red Sox had an opportunity to break this game open. He comes up with the bases loaded, right? I mean, that's what you want. And he takes a third strike right down the middle. It's unbelievable. You know, so the eighth inning, he's got an opportunity, and he just chokes. You know, they bring on Bobby Dahlbeck as a pinch hitter, and, you know, Dahlbeck, who just got called up, gets a, a pinch a pinch hit single. And the Sox have runners on first and second with one out. And then they walk Kike Hernandez, so the bases are loaded for Devers? Oh, my God. You know, but then, you know, it just it, it all went to hell really quickly. So, you know, that was disappointing. And, look, I'm not dumping on Rafi Devers. He, you know, there's no question that he had the opportunity last night. But more often than not, you know, he's going to get the job done. Um, and, of course, the news yesterday for Boston, everybody's talking about the wrist injury to Adam Duvall. Does Adam Duvall make a difference in this game last night? I mean, who knows? You know, but he's one guy. The Red Sox had three hits the entire game. He'd been their best hitter by far. But I'm not sure that if Adam Duvall's in that game last night, it really matters. What matters is what's going to happen in the long term. The Red Sox have not given a lot of details. This has been really strange. I mean, usually when a guy is you know, injured, they tell you exactly what the deal is and they, they give you an estimated timetable. Red Sox told them nothing. The only thing that we know is that he has a fractured wrist. And based on people that have had, you know, similar injuries, we're looking at probably three months, somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks. I mean, I guess the good news is they say that he does not need surgery which is great. It's the same wrist that he had surgery on last year to report, uh, to repair a torn tendon sheath. But now at least he doesn't need surgery. So it's a, a simple fracture. And it, and look, when I, I watch that injury, it's one of those that you watch it and they show the replay and you kind of go, ah, you know, you almost want to throw up because as soon as it hits and, and you see the way it twisted, you were like, oh, not good. And it was, oof. But he doesn't need surgery, so that's good. So what do the Red Sox do now? Well, they called up Bobby Dalbeck, and that means Kike Hernandez today is going to play center field. They had Ref, Rob Refsnyder in center field last night. Look, Refsnyder can play center field. He's a good defensive player. Rob Refsnyder has 12 home runs in his career. Okay? I mean, Adam Duvall had already hit four, four this year, you know, and he was looking – if he had stayed healthy, he was looking like the guy that a few years ago – Hit a ton of them. You know, I think he hit uh, 28 and drove in over 110 runs that year. 
Rob Ruffsnyder's not doing that on his, you know, <coughs> ever. I mean, he's got 12 in his career. Uh, so Kike will probably play a lot of center field. Dahlbeck's going to get a chance to play some shortstop. Yu Chang can play shortstop. The problem, the, the biggest problem the Red Sox have now is that they're very left-handed. Raimel Tapia, who is also a center fielder, a guy that they uh, signed in the offseason. He made the team out of spring training. He's a lefty. You know, Duvall's a righty. And the Red Sox see a string of lefties right now. I mean, the, the obvious answer is, well, you've got Jaron Duran. You know, the speedster down in the minors. The problem is Jaron Duran is a lefty. You know, so what do the Red Sox do? I think, you know, it, it looks like that for a while, Bobby Dahlbeck's going to be playing a little bit of shortstop because he's a right-hander. And, uh, you know, they're facing, I think they face two left-handers in the next three games. And I think it was like some stretch of like six or seven out of eight or nine games they were facing left-handers. So, uh, you know, do they go out in the trade market? Probably not. But, you know, here's the thing. Um, I think it was Pete Abraham that wrote this morning in the Boston Globe. He said, look, uh, you know, here's the thing, you know, uh, the Red Sox now have to hope that guys can, you know, overperform what their career numbers are and what, what their contract would tell you that they're worth. So you need some guys to step up and do things that they're not expected to do. And he said the problem with that is that the more the team counts on that happening, the less likely it becomes. You see, you know, he said you can only get so lucky, and he's 100% right, 100%. Uh, the Red Sox are hoping Adelbert Ramondesi will be back. He ran sprints, took and hit grounders Monday. Um, you know, he's uh, on the 60-day DL. He can come back in May. But here's the deal. You know, Adelbert Ramondesi, great speed, can play defense, can't hit a lick. I mean, his entire career, can't hit a lick. He's a switch hitter, which is great, but he can't hit. You know? So, I mean, he, he can handle the the defensive part of it. But how are they going to replace that offense that they're losing from Adam Duvall? Unless Bobby Dahlbeck uh, suddenly lives up to his the hype and the potential that he had when he first came up, Red Sox are in deep trouble. You know, I mean, uh, the the good news is for Boston, they get Garrett Whitlock back today. He'll be in the game. He will start tonight for the Red Sox, his first start of the season. Uh, a guy who's been mainly in the bullpen for Boston since he came as a Rule 5 pick from the New York Yankees. But they like his stuff. And, if look, look if, uh, if he can pitch and, and he can be in that rotation and stabilize that rotation, and then James Paxton, who is close to coming back, and Brian Bale, who is probably coming back next week, if all these guys come back and they pitch their asses off, they can hang in there. The problem is, my concern is, without a guy like Duvall or guys that can be a steady influence and steady bat from the right-hand side, how many more games are they going to lose one nothing? I mean, you can't ask any more out of your pitching staff than you got last night. You feel bad for Chris Martin, who gave up the home run to lose the game, and he was beside himself after the game. I mean, one of the reporters came up to him in the in the locker room afterwards to ask for, you know, if he had a minute to talk, and, uh, you know, and Chris Martin kind of just went off and left. You know, just, ah, give me a minute, and he just left the room and never came back while the reporters were there. So, obviously, he took it very, very hard, and, uh, but, you know, without without Adam Duvall and a big thumper in the middle of that lineup, you know, what do you do? How much do they miss J.D. Martinez now? 29 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.
It is 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Tuesday morning. And I was just thinking during the commercial break, you know what the Red Sox lineup is like? It's kind of like, uh, you ever play the game Jenga? You know, where you're building the tower and and, and you, you have to pull out a piece at a time and not have the damn thing collapse? That's where the Red Sox are at right now. You know, and with the loss of Adam Duvall, uh, it, perhaps one of the most important pieces of that puzzle um, has been pulled out, and that tower is is teetering badly. And look, what you know, what Duvall was doing to start the year, you know, the the four home runs and what fifteen or sixteen RBIs or whatever it was he had, uh, it wasn't you know, and he was hitting like four fifty. It wasn't sustainable. He wasn't doing that all year. But you know, he looked like he was healthy. He looked like the player that drove in one hundred and thirteen runs, you know, a few years ago. And uh, now they just you know, look, here's a, one more peace happens, you know, one more thing like that happens and that whole tower is coming tumbling down. It's, you know, it's just, it's, it's hanging by a thread. Uh, the Yankees lose last night to the Cleveland Guardians 3-2. to two. Uh, Shane Bieber got the start. I almost called him Justin Bieber. Shane Bieber got the start for, uh, for Cleveland and gave up a couple of runs in the first inning. Two runs on three hits in the first inning and you're like, uh-oh. You know, and uh, but he recovered nicely. Uh, went through a stretch where he retired 17 of 18 at one point. He allowed just two runs and five hits over seven innings. Boy, it's nice to hear a pitcher going seven innings. Wish the Red Sox would do that. 99 pitches he threw. Uh, James Karinchak got out of a huge jam. And uh, Cleveland hangs on to win. Uh, look, you know, this Cleveland team, a lot of people counted them out. I'm probably one of them. I mean, they uh, they surprised a lot of people by doing what they did last year, but they're off to another strong start. They're 7-4. and four. I don't know how sustainable that is because, of course, now they're dealing with all kinds of injuries. They had to put Aaron Savali, the kid from uh, East Windsor, Connecticut, on the injured list yesterday. Fourth time in the last two years he's been on there, but he's got some tightness in his side. They, they said it's an oblique strain. Uh, but he is going to be down for probably a few weeks. Uh, so they have, I think, uh, uh, three guys from their starting rotation on the injured list right now. So, you know, they're teetering as well. But when you have a guy like Emmanuel Classe in your uh, the, in your bullpen to save games, you know, it helps a lot. And in the game yesterday, he came in in the ninth and uh, struck out two of the three guys he faced. And uh, the Yankees go down uh, three to two. Uh, you know, and and look the way we also know that the ten and zero start by Tampa is not sustainable, right? I mean, it's just not. Um, <laughs> it's just not, you know. And the fact that they've played out of seven out of those ten at home, and when you think about it, after they finish this series with the Red Sox, they will have played thirteen games, and ten of those thirteen will have been at home. So let's see what happens when they get out on the road. I mean. Uh, I, I just don't. They're not winning a hundred. They're not going. Nobody's going one hundred and sixty-two and zero. You know, and I'm not even sure they're going to win a hundred games. They may, because every time I think you know Tampa can't do something, you know they may. But the Yankees now are four games back. You're six and four, and you're four games back a week and a half into the season. But that American League East is just there is just no margin for error at all. And uh, if you're the Yankees, you got to be a little bit concerned. Domingo Herman was not great yesterday again. Uh, he ends up uh, walking five guys in three innings. Matter of fact, the Yankee pitchers walked nine guys yesterday. 
Garrett Cole will get the start against Cleveland today. Cole is off to an incredible start. He's 2-0 with an 0-7-3 ERA. Um, and he beat Cleveland twice in the playoffs last year. And then Hunter Gaddis, uh, one of the guys that has had to be called up with all the injuries to the Cleveland pitching staff, uh, will get the start for the Guardians tonight. Uh, the Orioles win again. They beat the... Athletics five to one. Man, how bad are is Oakland? I mean, it's just oh, it's pathetic. They Oakland has now lost five in a row. They have the worst record in Major League Baseball at two and eight. Um, and they have scored in those ten games twenty eight runs. They are averaging less than three runs a game. Do you think the fact that they have the lowest payroll? in Major League Baseball, and their record being the worst in Major League Baseball is a coincidence? Because if you don't, i got a bridge to sell you. I'm, it, I mean, it's just crazy. Ryan Mont, uh, Montcastle hit a home run last night. Adley Rutschman continues his incredible start to the season. Uh, Rutschman homers in back-to-back games. He's now hitting three seventy-five to start the year. Hit his third home run. Montcastle's got three. Uh, they hit a couple others. Austin Hayes hit one. I mean, it's just... Uh, you know, again, it's Oakland. But if you're if you are anybody, I mean, the Rays swept Oakland and clubbed them to death, and the A's are gonna or the Orioles are gonna do the same thing. It's you know, it's one of those things. Is look, you know, if you're an American League East team and you go to play the A's and you don't sweep them, you know, shame on you. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> I I don't want to. I hate to keep going to this well, but it's kind of like you know, playing the Pirates and not not sweeping them. Just that's what it is. By the way, the Pirates announced uh, O'Neill Cruz, uh, who I mentioned yesterday, had broken his ankle uh, in a collision at home plate against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he is going to be out for four months. So, uh, you know, at best, he is back sometime in the middle of August. Now, look, the Pirates aren't making the playoffs anyway, but for a team that is starved for talent. And when you got a guy like him and, you know, with Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds or outfield, those are really their three main guys. Uh, to have one of those out of the lineup, it, it makes it that much tougher uh, for them to, to contend at all. Um, Max Scherzer, I mentioned yesterday, you know, I, I said, you know, Max really struggled last year in the playoffs and his last couple of starts in the regular season weren't very good and his first two times out this season weren't very good. Maybe Max is out of gas. You know, maybe maybe he's not right. Well, Max Scherzer yesterday said, yeah, okay, fat boy. Uh, went out <laughs> through five innings, gave up just one hit. Struck out six. Uh, threw a lot of pitches over those five innings. He threw 97 pitches, which is more than you'd like. Uh, but those five shutout innings, and then the bullpen does a hell of a job. They threw four one-hit innings, and uh, they completely shut down the San Diego Padres yesterday, beating them 5 nothing. Uh Brandon Nimmo uh, with a double in this game. Francisco Lindor drove in a couple. Uh, Jeff McNeil drove in a couple. Um, and the Mets pick up the victory over a very good Padre team. Uh, the Mets now one game over 500. They are a game back of the Atlanta Braves. I know we don't need to really need the scoreboard watch, but right now the Mets and the Padres with identical 6-5 and five records. Hugh Darvish takes the loss for San Diego yesterday. Uh, Darvish had owned the Mets in eight career starts prior to that. He was five and zero with an ERA of two and a half. The funniest thing in this, did you? It was unbelievable. A guy, uh, I think it was Luis Guillorme, laid down a bunt down the third baseline, 
and it was like a one of those swinging, you know, no, it was just a, a, a push bunt down the third base line, and it hugged the line, and the third baseman, Manny Machado, was just watching it, and it just stayed fair the entire time, and finally he picked it up. Well, uh, I think it was two batters later, uh, Tomas Nito, their catcher, the Mets catcher, swings hard. It's like a swinging bunt, and it just dribbles down the third baseline, stops in almost the same exact spot. So the Mets end up with a a uh, two bunt singles in the same inning, and that's kind of the way that game went uh, for the San Diego Padres. They'll play again uh, tonight. Ryan Weathers will get the start for the Padres, and David Peterson, uh, who struggled in his last start, will get the start for the New York Mets. Uh, the Braves win last night. They took on the Cincinnati Reds. Again, it's another one of those games where if you are a Braves fan, you expect your team to win. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Cincinnati gave them all they could handle last night. A.J. Minter blew a 3-1 lead in the ninth. Uh, Bryce Elder made a hell of a start. Young kid for the Braves, uh, six and two-thirds, six hits. He didn't give up a run. He struck out seven, threw 103 pitches, and looked really good. But then Minter gives up a couple of runs in the ninth inning to send it into extras. And Cincinnati scores a run in the top of the 10th, so they're up 4-3 going to the bottom of the 10th. And, of course, you know, with the runner starts on second base, and then Sean Murphy steps up and blasts the first pitch he sees from Derek Law to dead center field. It was his third hit of the game, and it is a walk-off home run, and the Atlanta Braves win this one by a final of 5-4. to four. Uh, As I said, Murphy's first homer for the Braves since signing a six-year, $73 million contract. The Braves had lost three games in a row, so it was a win that they desperately needed, uh, and uh, they stay on top the National League East at this point. The Braves also announced um, that they are going to have one of their big arms back in their lineup tonight. Uh, Wright is coming up from uh, the 15-day injured list. He was the only 20-game winner in Major League Baseball last year, and he will get the start tonight against the Cincinnati Reds. So, uh, And Luis Sessa will take the mound for the Reds' former New York Yankee product uh, as the Reds will try to uh, hang in there with the Braves. Don't count on it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying with with Wright coming back. Although, you know, who knows what kind of rust he has. Look, if you're a Philly fan, you got to be thrilled. Um, an absolutely dreadful start to the season. No question about that. But the Philly Bats are finally showing some signs of life. Um, they've won uh, three of their last four. They win last night. They clubbed the Marlins 15-3. to And you say, well, it's the Marlins. But the, the, the surprise here was Sandy Alcantara was getting the start for the Marlins last night. A guy who right now is arguably the second or third, maybe the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. He's up there anyway. And he pitched a complete game shutout his last start. And you wonder if that had any bearing on yesterday that maybe he just was tired from his previous start. But he only goes four innings last night against the Phillies, gives up ten hits and nine runs. Yikes. Uh, Matt Strom, who was in the Red Sox bullpen last year and wasn't very good, quite frankly. Well, the Phillies have put him in the starting rotation. Matt Strom last night. Throws 59 pitches over five innings in his start. Does not allow a run. Strikes out six. Only gives up four hits. And uh, picks up the victory. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> he couldn't do anything with the Red Sox. 
but uh, for the for all of a sudden for the Phillies, he's Cy Young. I, I go figure. Um, the other amazing thing from this game, the Marlins gave up 15 runs and 20 hits, and they only used two pitchers. So after Alcantara got hammered, Devin Smeltzer took one for the team. He comes out of the bullpen, and he throws four innings out of the pen. He gives up 10 hits and six runs, uh, but they only use two pitchers in a game when they give up that kind of production. That's crazy. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is going to get the start for the Marlins tonight. Aaron Nola, who has been dreadful for the Phillies in his first two starts. He is 0-1 with an ERA of 7.5 through his first two starts. We'll get the start for the Phillies tonight. Um, Zach Gallen hadn't been very good for the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks, I mean, I don't want to go overboard, but they may be the most surprising team in Major League Baseball right now. After last night, they beat the Brewers last night, and the Brewers had been hotter than hell. They The Brewers were uh, 7-2. and two. And Arizona is now 7-4 and four after Gallon throws a gem last night. He was a little shaky in the beginning, but he ends up striking out 11 over seven innings. Only gives up three hits and a walk. And uh, he best weighed Miley and the Milwaukee Brewers last night by a final of three to nothing. Uh, they are, you know, on top of the National League West again, not sustainable. But if you are a Diamondbacks fan, you're pretty happy, right? Nick Nick Ahmed, kid from Connecticut, uh, went to UConn. Uh, I believe he's from Hebron. Uh, went to Ram High School and uh, had three hits last night. And uh, Ketel Marte with a couple of hits as well. And uh, the Diamondbacks with the victory over uh, the Brewers, 3 nothing, And uh, Andrew Chafin. Picks up his second save of the season. The Brewers send out their ace. Corbin Burns will get the start tonight. Merrill Kelly, who pitched for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, will get the start for the Diamondbacks. The Giants uh, get clubbed by the Dodgers last night, 9-1. Max Muncy, uh, two home runs last night, seven runs batted in. How about that? Uh, He had started off the season four for 33 and uh, was really struggling Really hoping that uh, you know he could refine the form that uh, turned him into kind of a bit of a folk hero in uh, Dodgers. Uh, it was his third career Grand Slam last night, and uh, Muncie loves the San Francisco Giants. In 73 games against the Giants, he's got 23 homers and 51 runs batted in. Uh, Julio Arias got the start for the Dodgers last night, uh, and he takes the uh, victory. He is now 3-0. and He goes six innings, gives up just one run and four hits. Uh, Logan Webb starts uh, for the Giants and continues his rough start to the season. Four runs in six innings, uh, and the Dodgers run away in high. Dustin May, uh, who has allowed uh, just one run on five hits over 13 innings in his first two starts of the season, will get the start for the Dodgers, and Alex Wood will start for the uh, San Francisco Giants tonight. It is 46 minutes past the hour. One more break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 49 minutes past the hour here on the Wake Up Call on a Tuesday morning. Uh, One other baseball note. Uh, Andrew Heaney of the Texas Rangers. The Rangers win the game last night 11-2. Heaney tied the American League mark. He struck out nine straight guys against the Kansas City Royals. I know it's the Royals, but still, striking out nine straight guys, I don't care what level of baseball you're playing at, is pretty impressive. It ties the record uh, set by uh, Tyler Alexander of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, 
and uh, Doug Fister, uh, who also was of the from the Tigers, by the way, when he did it back in 2012. Uh, the Major League Baseball record is 10, which was set by uh, Tom Seaver back in uh, 1970 and then matched by Aaron Nola in 2021 and Corbin Burns that same year. But uh, uh, it, it was an impressive start by Andrew Heaney, a guy who signed with Texas as a free agent in the offseason. Had a rocky outing his first uh, Rangers start, but uh, he pitched well um, uh, last night. He went five innings. Ten strikeouts, only gave up two hits, and he gave up one run, but it was an unearned run, uh, and uh, the Rangers run away and hide. And the Rangers right now off to a pretty good start. I mean, uh, making it look like some of those uh, the money they spent in the off season the last two years is starting to pay off. Uh, they are six and four to start the season. NHL action last night: uh, the Predators, Nashville Predators, beat the Calgary Flames last night by a final of three to two in a shootout. Uh, Nashville keeps its playoff hopes alive. Uh, look, they are hanging by a thread. Two games left in the season, and uh, they trail the Winnipeg Jets, who have the last wild card spot, uh, by three. So Nashville needs to win both games. They need Winnipeg to stumble to have any chance because uh, Seattle already has clinched the number one wild card. Uh, they're a one point behind Calgary. Uh, and three points behind Winnipeg for that last spot. And by beating the Flames last night, and they have two games left to just one for Calgary. So Nashville's got to win them both and um, uh, hope for some help uh, and, you know, that the Winnipeg Jets will lose. Uh, I don't know. Well, they probably have to lose. Yeah, they have to lose at least one uh, to have a chance. And, look, Winnipeg's got uh, Minnesota and Colorado left. The good news for Nashville is that Minnesota and Colorado are two of the three best teams or three of the four best teams in uh, the Western Conference right now. So you would think that they uh, they might have a shot at that one. Uh, and both those games for Winnipeg are on the road at Minnesota and at Colorado. And if you're Nashville, and I'm look, I'm kind of I'm a Bruins. I kind of root for the Bruins, but uh, Nashville is kind of my local team down here, so I've kind of uh, got a rooting interest for them. The Predators uh, will host Minnesota on uh, Wednesday night. No, excuse me, on Thursday night. And then they have one other game, and I'm not sure off the top of my head who that's against. But uh, they're going to have to win them both and hope that the uh, the Jets lose at least one uh, for them to get a chance to get in. And they can't allow Winnipeg – if Winnipeg wins both of them, it's over. It's that simple. Uh, the Senators beat the Hurricanes last night 3-2. to two. So the Carolina Hurricanes uh, kind of stumbling into the playoffs. And look, with uh, two games left, the Hurricanes right now are the number two seed in the Eastern Conference – but they've only got a one-point lead over Jersey, a two-point lead over Toronto, and the New York Rangers. So Carolina could find themselves tumbling from number two to number five very quickly uh, the way they are finishing out the season. It's been very, very disappointing. Matter of fact, their last ten games, uh, they are four, five, and one. I mean, of course, everybody's looking up at the Boston Bruins uh, who play tonight. Uh, the Bruins can set the NHL all-time record for points in a season uh, with a victory tonight um the other thing that starts tonight the nba's play-in tournament the pit as i like to call it um 
you know, and, and I don't know how I feel about this. You know, I'm not a huge NBA guy, um, but it's a uh, it's the third year that they have done this, and here's how it works. Uh, the number seven team plays the number eight team. The winner is in to the playoffs. And then the number nine team plays the number 10 team. The loser season is over. And then the winner uh, or the, the loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game at the higher seed, and then the winner gets the number eight seed, and the loser season's over. So basically, two of these teams will advance. Two of them will be out. And that's that's where we're at. So in the Eastern Conference, the teams uh, that are on the, that are looking to get into the last two spots: the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, and the Toronto Raptors. Whichever one of those ends up as the eight seed uh, would be the uh, opponent for the Boston Celtics. Or excuse me, yeah, whoever, yeah, whoever ends up as the seven seed would be the opponent of the Boston Celtics. So that is likely to be. It's going to be either Miami uh, or Atlanta, most likely. That will be who the the uh, Celtics will play in the first round of the playoffs in the Western Conference. It's the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, the Lakers, Oklahoma City, and New Orleans. The Lakers, the number seven seed, uh, and uh, LeBron James trying to get himself back into the playoffs. Look, he uh, he's averaged 23 points a game against Minnesota this year. He's played very, very well. And the other thing to remember in this one, Minnesota will be without Rudy Gobert, who has been suspended from the team for punching his teammate on the bench. So he will not be in this game. So uh, I think the, uh, the Timberwolves are in trouble. And then the Pelicans and Oklahoma City uh, will play in the other game. Uh, the WNBA draft was last night. Uh, no surprise to anybody, Aaliyah Boston, the number one overall pick uh, of the Indiana Fever. Diamond Miller from Maryland uh, was the number two pick. And the number three pick um, was Maddie Segrist from Villanova. And she ends up going uh, to the Dallas Wings. Also going to the Dallas Wings, the number five pick in the draft overall. Lou Lopez Seneschal of the Yukon Huskies. A big surprise. A lot of people, most people that were looking at the WNBA draft had her middle to the bottom of the first round. She ends up going in pick number five, and so she will join uh, fellow Big East uh, foe Maddie Segrist with the Dallas Wings. Dorky Yuhas from Yukon also picked uh, in the draft. She was the fourth pick of the second round. She goes to the Minnesota Lynx. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music uh, from the supergroup called Gone West. Uh, Kobe Calais, you may know her. She, uh, she is kind of the, uh, the lead of this and uh, love this song. Gone West. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.